Hello everyone, just before we begin, I wanted to let you know that the British Podcast Awards are currently open and they are taking votes as to who should win the Listener Choice Award. You've got until the 28th of April to lend your support to your favourite podcasts that come from uh, Britain, Great Britain, um, and obviously staying in is one of those. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, these, these, these chaps and ladies, they're, they're actually quite good at doing a doing this show i'd like to support them uh, then you can go to www.britishpodcastawards.com slash vote i'm going there right now there we are i'm right here uh, and you can go onto it and then you can search for your favorite show so type in staying in if that's uh if that's going to be one of your favorite shows uh you select that then you go to, to the next bit and then you type in your name and your email address uh, and you can also enter to win a some tickets to go to the ceremony and all that sort of stuff and that's it and by doing that you'll be championing the very best podcasts that are made in britain and hopefully us if you choose to as i say you've got until the 28th of april i think that's when voting closes maybe do do it by the 27th to be safe uh but yeah go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote and uh yeah tell people which shows you like thanks Arkham Horror the Card Game, Sugar and Dice, and Crotel Renovations. This is Staying In. Just the Tuna Bus. Just the Tuna Bus. Do you remember the Tuna Bus? Uh, no, I've no idea what the Tuna Bus is. Yeah, you do. No, I've no idea. I know the song Just the Two of Us. Yeah, no, we spoke about the Tuna Bus. The last time it was just the two of us. Oh, of course. There I was, hoping for a lovely pang of nostalgia. Of that one time we did a podcast. (laughs) Uh, So um, I'm I'm wearing my different headphones. Obviously, you know, as uh, as an audio medium, this doesn't translate particularly well. But I'm wearing my headphones today, which make me feel a little bit like I'm Robot Leia. Well, I was going to say you look more David Getter than Robot Leia. No, oh, no. Oh, is who's David? Is David Getter the DJ? <laughs> yeah, David Getter is. A, you actually do strike quite a resemblance to David Getter. That is, that's actually the first time I've seen this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the dance hall. <laughs> I'll be putting on your favourite records. If it's nice, play it twice. Oh my God, that's actually, especially with those headphones. Wow. I know. No. Especially with this on beard as well and also all the millions and millions of dollars i have uh like david guetta there's that as well is it david getter or david guetta david getter as so uh, i used to, as someone who used to work in commercial radio i was um told on several occasions that i was pronouncing his name wrong by my bosses so um yeah david getter but he is french so you so i always thought because he's french that you'd have a you'd add a little bit of joie de vivre yeah sure to his name yeah. David Jueta. Or maybe the G's silent, like David Weta. David Weta. David Weta. Talk, talk, talking of names. Mm. <laughs> right. So at the moment, me and my partner were quite obsessed with, of an evening, mm. cuddling down together and watching an episode of Forensic Files on Netflix. Have you watched okay. Forensic Files? Uh, I, I don't know what that is. 
So Forensic Files is a series of about, oh, I don't know, 400 shows on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> All of which are perfectly digestible, 20, 25 minutes each. Add to this the fact that they were all produced in the late 90s, early 2000s, before 16 by 9 was a credible um, broadcasting aspect ratio. Yeah. Um, and every episode is a case, all narrated by this really overdramatic uh, voiceover man, who sometimes sounds like he's making up forensic procedures, but you never <laughs> quite know. Um, and so... What happens is you get a case, something happens, someone dies, someone gets murdered, and it details all the forensic processes that went through to go through the crime. And some of it is actually quite quite interesting. You know, when they demonstrate how someone faked killing their own children. No, they didn't fake right. it. They actually did it. But they faked that someone came into the house to do it. Right, okay. And they managed to prove it by how the blood spatter um, fell on the floor, that it... F- that the way that she was holding the knife or something like that proved that it was like hanging down by her side rather than up front in like a defensive pose. She like claimed that it would happen. So that's quite, that was quite interesting. Okay. Um, And the, and the narrator's just like, the forensic scientist put it in a spectrum optometrizer. And he's like, mm. you're just making... That's not yeah. a real thing. That, anyway, in the in the blood splatter for con. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it is brilliant. And my girlfriend is obsessed with crime and real crime. Give her any podcast. If we renamed our podcast staying in because we're murderers and <laughs> she would listen yeah. to it. Like that's that's the kind of thing like she'd be at yeah. home with something like that. Um, but we were watching it the other day and the, and um. Americans do have a penchant for fancy names um, and like weird, you know, Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, to mm. name but a few weird American names. Rockefeller, right. you know. Yeah, Rockefeller's a bit weirder than Jim Beam. I think that's quite a standard <laughs> name. And Jack Daniels is quite a standard as well, actually, thinking about it. But Rockefeller, yeah. Sure. Trump, you know. Trump, yeah, 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 yeah. So we were watching it and this woman was, was on it and she was recounting the tale of when, uh, of a grisly murder that her father was accused for or something like that. And right, her right. name pops up, and no word of a lie, her name was Cindy Pancake. <laughs> no. Cindy no. Pancake. No, that's not a real human name. It was a real human no, being. That's, that's an Cindy alien Pancake. trying to, try to fit in, in in human society. Hello, what's your name? Uh, John Crumpet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looks over to breakfast platter. Uh, <laughs> no, um, that's 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 the name of a character from a BBC children's cartoon from the seventies. That's yeah. not a. That's not what regular humans. What? I don't. Did her family like invent pancakes? I don't or... know. Shall we? Shall we search for Cindy Pancake? I don't. Yeah, search for I Cindy don't know Pancake. What, what will happen when I? Put it sounds it like Cindy a Cindy Pancake. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you'll find Parsley the Lion, and then you'll find. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, she's on Twitter, so okay. Uh, okay, good. Let's have a look. What's, what's she up to? 
uh, the the last one of the last tweets that Cindy Pancake did was feeling great about completing our employment satisfaction survey. Great name, slightly boring Twitter account. Um, or maybe that's what she's into. Maybe that's her life. Do you know what? She's living her own life. That's fine. If that's what she's into, like employment survey, employment satisfaction <laughs> questionnaire. Brilliant. This is a great one. Um, yeah. so you you won't know who Adam Levine is, do you? No, I'm not either. Adam Levine is the lead singer of uh, American pop group Maroon Five. Okay, yeah, I've heard of Maroon Five. Yeah, right. I can't. I can't believe I have to go through all this just for one petty tweet from Cindy Pancake. But anyway, <laughs> you know, do you know what the voice is? Uh, yeah, it's like someone that comes out of mouth. <laughs> but do you know the premise of the voice? I. Yeah, it's like it's like vocal cords. Oh, and the program, you... the voice. No, I've no idea what that is. I've no idea what the voice is. Is that okay. like a is that like a a pop idol or a, a, or an apprentice or something? Yeah, yeah. But the 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 twist of the voice yeah. is that the judges don't see the person unless they choose to see the person, so they can't judge someone on their appearance. Uh... So when they come out to sing. Um, and they so they when they come in to sing, all they are hearing is the voice, and they right, judge right, right. whether to let them through to the next stage based on nothing but the voice that they're hearing. I really like that. That's so, cool. So, having explained all that to you, Cindy yeah. Pancake, yeah, I love how at Adam Levine just knows yeah. when someone starts to sing. Hashtag the voice. Of course, he knows when someone starts to sing. Everyone knows when someone starts to sing. What's what's she saying? What's what's Cindy Pancake saying? I don't he know. knows he knows when someone starts singing. Adam Levine's not a musical expert because he can tell that somebody is singing. It is a tough job working on a reality. <laughs> oh man, Cindy Pancake, what great name! So is she like the presenter? No, she was just um, a uh, witness. She was a uh, she was a member of the family of someone who was killed or someone who did some killing. Oh my god! So, I, d- I doubt the pancakes would have a murder in the midst. Well, they'd be a bit crap, wouldn't they? Good, good. <laughs> Was that all for that one joke? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. For the last yeah. 10 minutes, we've been leading up to uh, that. What? Yeah. That one that joke. joke. Good. Well, I'm sorry I couldn't... Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry I couldn't come on and play video games with you earlier. Right. I know you were like, oh, I'm online. I'm going to play some video games. And I was like, ooh... I could join Sam and play some Borderlands or something, which I am enjoying, like Borderlands yeah. 2. It's good, isn't it? It is a good shooting video game. I, I it, When we started playing it, the four of us, mm-hmm. um, it did kind of remind me how it's a really, really solid shooter and a really solid co-op multiplayer, but it's amazing how quickly all attempts at trying to hold on to the narrative 
just slips out the window. Just fall apart. Yeah. Which is which is kind of was my big grievance of Borderlands One because we were really enjoying it, and then when yeah. it was just like, well, this story's been happening for the last fifteen hours, and I think we all turned to each other virtually and just went, yeah, what? yeah, okay, um, and. The loot system, I'm not 100% sold on still. Yeah, um, what, the go over to the thing and, and pick every individual item up? Yeah, only because yeah. I kind of like to look at what I'm looting first. And I was like looking at a gun, and it's really clever, like the way that you hover across a gun and it immediately tells you where where you're going to get certain stat boosts and where your stats mm-hmm. are going to decline in certain areas. So yep, I was kind good. of weighing that up, and I was doing that, and then Dan comes along and just pickpockets it, and it's like, yeah, classic Dan though. Classic Dan I mean, though. I think like I'm with you. Also, I kind of, I find that the picking up of loot is a bit of a chore. Like I'm wandering through the through the space and thinking to myself, oh okay, I oh there's there's some there's some money over there, and you can press and hold the square buttons. Obviously, we're playing on PlayStation, and you'll pick up all the money. But you won't pick up all the items, and even if you do pick up all the items, well, then suddenly your your pockets are just full, and you're yeah. like, okay, well, I've just picked up five guns I don't want. So it, so I mu- would much rather have had this system where, I think, I think it might be Diablo. Maybe there's a couple of mobile um, sort of RPGs that that have big loot systems where basically you get to the end of an area. And then a big screen just presents and just goes right. Here's all the loot that you that you received, and your bags are in uh, like your bags are infinite. And uh, here here's like the best weapons that you got out of this. What do you want? Like that would have been a much more fluid, smooth process. Whereas like at the moment, I find in Borderlands Two, there's a bit of this sort of like admin. Like there's this okay. Well, let me just quickly go through this and figure out which one's better and which one's worse. And oh, okay, I, I've my pockets are full now. So now I need to go to one of those vending machines and sell my things and buy some more ammo. I mean, these are minor... I will say this, though. Like, that is a minor gripe for yeah. what is ostensibly I, a very fun uh, multiplayer shooty bang-bang experience where, uh, like, I'm with you. I think the story is... It's not great at telling its story, but it's better at telling its story than the original. Yeah. Um, it's just, the, and, story, the story thing is a shame, especially when it's got such great characters in it, like Handsome Jack. Yeah. And there is really good writing. And yeah. it just seems to get lost in this and it, and I think it's a symptom that uh, is exacerbated or at least exacerbates the inventory system is the fact that the gameplay is so fast and frenetic you never have a moment to digest the story mm-hmm. and you never have a moment to sort out your inventory and really consider what you are picking up and when you do take yeah. those moments you feel like you're almost stepping too far away from the game so it never quite yeah. gets that balance like, yeah, that, you feel like you're holding. Like, yeah, you feel like you're holding the team back. You're just like, oh, hold on a second, let me just quickly do some inventory management. And it's yeah. like, ah. Um, but the, the the bits of story that do come in here and there, I think it is a better told story than the original. Um, it's the thing that gets me is th- there's just little jokes every now and again that that come through the 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 sort of mad bants between you and your pals. You know, like there's when you're actually playing online. There's every once in a while you'll just hear claptrap and he'll do a great joke or there'll be a visual gag that's really obvious and upfront. It's really, really well told in that way. But the overall overarching, like you are a hero, you have gone into this thing, it is your destiny. Whenever that lady pops up in the right top right hand corner, she's like, "You must go to here to make sure that you can." I, I don't care. It's just like 
Borderlands for me, in terms of its narrative, the whole point of it is just let me let us set up this fun world to be a part of that is very distinctive, helped a lot by its visuals, but very distinctive in terms of its, um, in terms of the way that it's, uh, in terms of the way that it's like a very grim and gritty and pretty tough environment to to to, to work in, but all the time just completely subverting itself with silly humour and, 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 and gags and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the other thing is, I you know, I just think that the game is just like a really good shooter. It feels a lot more shooter than RPG, whereas Borderlands felt a little bit more... Like everyone's, it felt a little bit like it was leaning a bit more into the RPG side of things, whereas this time around it is... It's, oh, it... it it just feels like a really super solid shooter, even on, even on um, with uh, console controls and stuff. Um, you never feel like you're hamstrung or, or anything like that. You never feel like you're really playing a PC game, but awkwardly with a with with a, a DualShock. Uh, you know, I'm I'm getting a lot more like headshots and criticals through that now. I'm getting a lot. I feel a lot more mobile and active, and um, that I can do more things more quickly uh, in that. And uh, I also the best thing about it, the four of us playing it again, which is something that hasn't happened for. I thought about mm. this the other day. Five years we played the original Borderlands. Wow. It was about five years ago, five or six years ago. That is a that long is time. But anyway, we we got massively off because you yeah. wanted to talk about what I want to. Well, yeah. Um, so I couldn't. Uh, Obviously, I couldn't make it because I was very selfishly playing a video game that I've wanted to play for a long time uh, on by myself. Uh, I've, so I, I got this on Steam. This is Crotel Renovations, um, and uh, Crotel, as in like hotel. C R zero bloody hell. C R O W T E L Renovations. Uh, so it's like a hotel renovation. Um, it's from Sync's Adventure, and uh, it's the only game on Steam from Sync's, and it is a an enhanced remake, I guess, of a of another game called Crotel, which is where it's actually from. I believe that was on Itch.io, uh, which is like a download platform that's kind of an equivalent to Steam, I guess. But basically, just another way of getting hold of uh, PC indie games. Um, anyway, so Crotel Renovations is a two D platforming game with a a great sense of humor and a very uh trying to be kind of old school art style like it's very pixely but it 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 never it never quite lands on which platform it's trying to emulate like you know how you can get when you look at like old school games you can say okay yeah that looks like a mega drive game or that looks like a nes game or you know that that looks like that platform from pc engine or whatever well Crotel Renovations, you can't quite tell which if it's if it's deliberately trying to ape a system, but it's really beautiful. It's really um, sweet, and uh, I think that it's very cute pixel art. I would say it's like that's that's what it's going for. It's going for a kind of cutesy style, and it's about a crow uh, who owns a hotel, and two inspectors, Inspector Cats, come in, and they're health and safety inspectors, and they try to. They're like, right, we're gonna we're gonna look through your hotel and uh, and make sure that everything's okay. And then you're like, oh no, I've got to go and clean everything up. So you run into your into your hotel, and it turns out it's a massive death trap. 
and you have to then navigate through jumping and chirping uh, so you, you can press the shoot button to chirp out little sounds um, jumping and chirping you have to defeat lots of enemies that are along the way and do some do some pretty smart um, platforming it takes a little while to get going in the the platforming initially it's like the platforming initially is quite safe so the art style is what carries it through the first couple of levels like you're looking at this thing going oh this is really sweet and cute and the the health inspector cats just look adorable and also evil at the same time um and obviously you're playing as a, a crow who's running a hotel which is quite cool and then it takes us a little while to get to, to get going and then it starts unveiling some really cool platforming ideas that it it sort of uses once and then never really comes back to ever again. So there's a moment, and I don't want to spoil it, but uh, much of the game, because I think it's, it's it's well worth playing through. It takes about an hour and a half to play through the entirety of it, uh, including the, uh, the, the sort of second part of the game, which is where you go and run a hotel, uh, where you're a frog uh, and you have to come back and you have to make your way to the Crotel. Um, <clears throat> but the... There's there's one platform bit, for example, where um, there's a cockroach on the other side of the door, and then uh, who's stood next to a button, and then you're obviously the crow, and you're stood next to a button, and okay. you jump on the button, and the door yeah. between the two of you opens, and as soon as as soon as that happens, the cockroach on the other side jumps on its button, and then the door sh- slams shut again, and you have to figure out how to open the door in between the two of you. Uh, quick enough, and uh, so that so that the cockroach can't open, can't slam the door in your face again. Um, there's lots of bits with ghosts. There's tons of ghosts, and they're all very sweet. And they jump out and they and they shout boo. Um, and um, so, uh, and and so yeah. So there's some really really nice little, really nice little, uh, platforming ideas that doesn't hang about too long on. Like just little, um, like sort of vignettes, some nice sort of little, little moments. Because, like I say, it's only an hour and a half long, and oh, really? it, it it just doesn't want to stick around for too long. To to it doesn't want to it doesn't want to beat a uh, beat beat the um uh, beat sort of a dead horse. Really, it's 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 more like it's more like it. There, there's another great bit where um there's there are these lily pads that you can jump on. There's a section where this when you're the frog. Where this is where you're the frog. Where, this is where you're Lily, and you can, there's these little lily pad leaf things. And if you jump on it, it's fine. And if an enemy jumps on it, it's fine, and it will hold your weight. But if you're both on it, then it will fall. That's interesting. And so, so you're over. So you're over these like precipices, and so you're. And so you start to realize, okay, well, only I'm the one. You know, I have to stay on this if I'm on this, and I have to get rid of any enemies before they jump onto it, and that's fine. And then you then you come into another section where. a these birds are like throwing their eggs down and if the egg also touches the leaf then suddenly the 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 leaf falls falls away again so where you were initially trying to avoid these eggs that were falling from the sky uh, uh, you actively now want to try and get underneath them so that you can shoot up at them so they don't fall on your leaf so it's it's these really nice little twists on the platforming idea so um this came up in my... I saw this on Twitter and just saw somebody tweeting about Crotel Renovations and I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to go and give that a go. Um, it's like two or three quid on Steam. And I was just like, sod it. Why not? Yeah. Um, and um, I, I, so I rinsed through that in an afternoon and uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Very fun, very silly, cute, 
Um, nice little platformer. There's some little difficulty spikes that I, I kind of ran up against, um, which uh, just kind of infuriated me a little bit, but you get get past them after about five minutes. and yeah. You're going to in a game that lasts only 90 minutes, so aren't you? Exactly. Because otherwise, it's a breeze for 90 minutes or... yeah. It's rock solid for ninety minutes, so absolutely. But it's yeah, it's a it's this very sweet um, platforming adventure, and it feels a lot like I talk about this 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 a lot. These these games that are like gaming sorbets, right? These games where <laughs> you play them in between other much bigger, grander experiences, and this yeah. this this is absolutely one of those. There's something that you and I have both been playing that is I think there? we should. I think that you and I should uh, go on. What's I think that? We should, Get, in, Do we have get to... into this a little bit. Okay. Should we? Uh, okay. Um, I think you've played it a little bit more than I have, but what's that? Arkham Horror, the card game. Yeah. Yeah. That is a that is a really good game. It's a very, very. I'm 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 not wanting to get too excited about it, but yep, it is a yep. I think it's a very good game. Yeah. Um, I been wanting to get hold of it for ages uh, i think i sort of i was when i was listening to back to one of the podcasts i was sort of laughing at myself for espousing it like i'm really seeing its praises for ages before i even actually got down to play it yeah i was thinking yeah, yeah. i bet it turns out to be shit now and just like <laughs> a terrible version of the arkham games but i played it through the first scenario the first campaign yeah, uh, with a friend of mine at the weekend. So I've played that as well. Yeah, and it was just an in- it was a really, really incredible experience. Mm. Um, I, I was I was sort of trepidatious coming in because when I was in Bristol with with you and Chris and Alex, we were you were sort of talking about your experiences with Arkham Horror or Eldritch. Yeah. Horror? So there's Arkham Horror, the board game. Yes. Uh, which is uh, just a really, really relentlessly difficult, uh, wants to punch you in the face as much as it possibly can kind of kind of board game with way too much complexity and uh, silliness. Yeah. So this, so the card game version, and you saw I, I kind of talked about it on a previous podcast, but I'll kind of be brief. Is that you, the characters that you play? Uh, there's four in the base set of which you can choose a combination of two and effectively the characters that you play are a, are a deck of cards yeah that you have quite a lot of customization over but definitely when we were going into the first round and i kind of goldfished i played it at one player uh, as well which the, the first scenario again um because it wasn't which which is okay but to quote Ubisoft, this game works better when it when you have someone to share the anecdotes of what's happening, yeah, along yeah. with a play um, alongside it. I think I think it settles the difficulty. It curves the difficulty really well. The more players that you have, as a clever mechanic that it uses. But essentially, you've got these decks of cards uh, that form the base of a character that you can create. So you can make characters a bit more aggressive or a bit more bookish. Um, and um, you basically take these characters into a scenario and the first scenario starts with 
the two of you investigating uh, uh, disappearances in the town of Arkham and suddenly the door to your study disappears. Mm. And so it's a it's a really, really almost tutorial scenario because the um, the way that it works is that you, in order to advance your part of the story, i.e. success against the mythos, the, the Lovecraftian enemies which pop out from anywhere, is for you to investigate it and to find clues. Um, so the first part of the game is literally you just in a study with nothing, looking for clues. Yeah, find yeah, enough yeah. clues. You find the door, which has appeared in your floor, that then goes into the hallway. And then it's once you're out in the hallway that this room expands. You've got a lot more locations and a lot more enemies start to appear. Um, and we were... we. We were playing it, my friend and I, and um, I, I was quite trepidatious about the whole Lovecraftian guise to it. Cause it's not a world that I'm familiar with or find that appealing, really. Okay, that's interesting because I'm so I'm I'm um, listening to the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> of at the moment, uh, and uh, because obviously. Uh, and um, I am about a third through the way, uh, a third of the way through his complete fiction uh, that's under his name uh, only, because he ghost wrote some other stuff. I've now, and I'm doing it chronologically, so I'm only now just up to. I just listened to Horror at Red Hook and The Call of Cthulhu, and yeah, that's where I'm up to now. And so that world I'm a bit more familiar with, that, that kind of mythos stuff. Um, so I was already at this point because i played this with alex already looking at this stuff going okay yeah i can see where all the tropes of of lovecraft are coming in i I can see the horror the madness okay i see where this is going to be going yeah but the thing is is that what that sort of veil over this card game does this lovecraftian Mm. card game is it lets it get away with so much Ludo narrative distance. Yeah. Um the in another game would feel shoehorned, would yeah. grind against. So the aim of the game, as I said, is for you to advance your part of the story, for you to succeed in certain missions and certain tasks in order to sort of stop and prevent the uh, rise of the monsters. In the case of the first the first scenario of the three campaign that comes in the base set is effectively stopping the monsters that are spawning in your house getting out. Um, and there was one point in it um, that I drew a card which gave my character amnesia. And so what actually, what effectively happened was my character walked into a room, went what am I doing? Brilliant. And I had to discard all my cards mm-hmm. and just leave myself with one. Mm-hmm. In any other game, I would have felt cheated by that experience. Yeah. But because this is in a Lovecraftian world, the possibility of that happening to a character seems all the more real. And suddenly, like, I, we were in a position where we were really pushing back and we were doing really well. And then suddenly it was just like, I just went into a room and went, what? Who yeah. am I? And another yeah. and another one 
was um a friend was playing Roland Banks, which is kind of like he's the archetypal sort of like nineteen twenties cop guy investigator, yeah. and he as one as his um uh, weakness as his weakness card um he drew it out and it was something called past case or cover up and the and the art on the card was was wonderful of this like shrouded not even a body but this like mass underneath a cloth and this like shadowy figure pouring what looks like petrol over it mm. and what the card does is it puts three clue tokens on the card and then whenever you succeed at making an investigation check i.e. whenever you succeed in finding a clue you take it off the cover-up rather than taking it from the location and adding it to your success tracker, as it was. So yeah. it's this idea of this cop alone in this attic with these things hunting him, and suddenly they get this flashback to this part of their life, this dark area of themselves. Yeah. And it's so traumatic that it stops them doing their job. And I And I think that when I've played other card games in the past and um these things kind of happen and i think even pandemic legacy is a bit um is a bit liable to do it you know stuff just does ha- just just happens stuff just yeah. occurs and you've got to deal with it and and you kind of got to find a way of how it fits inside of your into your narrative that you're creating whereas here everything is just so much part of this this wonderful world and the fact that it all exists inside this deck so with those weaknesses those are things that are uh, are drawn at random when you first create your deck and i was just using uh, for sake of speed and time i just put together two of the decks based on um uh the how the introductory guide lays them out and then just put in these two basic weaknesses yeah and um and like they just popped up and it was it was it was just incredible and and the fact that as the game goes on you can actually you as i believe it you there are possibilities that you will gain more weaknesses into your yes. hand your characters will become more scarred by the things that they encounter yeah. and that's a fantastic prospect now we've done the first mission i think what i'm going to do next is actually look a bit deeper into the deck building before i actually commit myself to doing the full campaign because i've already bought two expansions so yeah so i'm going like deep which okay right okay so i was what i was gonna say before you just said oh i've I've already bought the two expansions is what i love about this game is first of all that it it provides you these pre-constructed decks so it's it's a buy the game buy the box you know you don't need to buy anything else uh you know but we're also going to tell you exactly how to build a deck out it does it's not like magic where it's like right learn all of these systems before you start playing um yeah and even and even if you're not that familiar with deck building on the Mm. backs of each of the characters card it's really clearly defined what cards can go into their hands so um each character has uh two cards that must go into their hand and then they can only have cards of two symbols. So of yep. the four attributes that you have, like intelligence, physicality, agile, and something else, like um, discovery or something, 
like strength, each, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's something like that. But each character can only have a combination of things from those two, from two specific sections. And then for the rest of it, it's just, well, any card you want, but you can yeah. only have two of them. And the, yeah. and the deck sizes are only 30 um, cards. Uh, there's only a 30 card limit. So it's not like mm-hmm. a 60 card magic deck. Yeah. And you're not trying to create, you're not having to worry about synergy or effects or... You know, um, you don't have to worry about um, what's it called um, ratio of uh, of, of oh, land. Uh, yeah, the uh, the mana curve. The mana curve. You don't have to worry about any of that. So because yeah. when you because everything is so within this world, you just think about your character. You just think about right, my character. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, I think he likes to get really up close. So I'll give him a couple of knives. Uh, but he is a cop, so I'll give him some investigate. I'll give him a magnifying glass and and a torch. Um, mm-hmm. Or another character is just like, yeah, they like they kind of like live life on the edge. Like Wendy is a street urchin, so she's very much about like doing things in a rough and tumble nature. So like, um, um, if she fails a test, she can kind of just like sneak in there and just like get what she wants out of it. Um, yeah. So that's why the, the debt building, I don't think, is at all like, uh, you know, off-putting in any way. Yeah, I, I was going to say like, and and that that to me is that to me is really exciting because it's a condensed uh, living card game where you can just simply go right. That's my box. That's what I'm going to do. That was what I was going to say. But you've okay. said, you've already gone and bought two expansions. So yeah. what what the what do the, the expansions actually bring with it? So I've only got the core set at the moment and hopefully I would like to stick, like I'd like to kind of, as much as I can or at least for as long as possible, steer away from this becoming another obsession like Magic the Gathering. Um, <laughs> so, I th- so I think that, I, I personally think there's enough in the base game to keep you going for a long time because even though like I've already played through the first scenario twice and i've already seen um a let's play of it i've already seen like a couple of people let's play of it um and i think that definitely the first scenario demands a couple of playthroughs because there's a couple of rule clarifications that we didn't quite get right like looking back on it like a couple of like um, order turns and things like that and how the enemies behave some of it's a little bit tricky to get yeah to get the hang of um so I think there is lots of replayability because just like you're drawing randomly from a deck of cards to define what your character does, you're drawing randomly from a Mythos deck, which is uh, pre-constructed but shuffled in terms of what enemies you encounter and what and what sort of situations happen. Yeah. Um, so I do think that even though the scenario has a clearly defined through line, there's still a lot of randomness in it yeah. so so i think the base game definitely has a lot to offer and, and what i've heard going on that the first scenario has about four locations but the but the scenarios scenario two and three of the base game have eight or ten yes. scenarios or, or um, locations so you're doing a lot more cool. there's a lot more kind of going on Cool. So, so what I've done is I've bought two of the scenario packs. Mm-hmm. So, Fa- Fantasy Flight have released uh, the Dunwich Legacy, which is the deluxe expansion, um, which is again another sort of boxed three scenario campaign, I believe. And there's new characters in it that you can be. 
Cool. Um, so you could get those new characters and then put them back in the static scenario again and see how they handle and all that kind of stuff. But the reason I bought the scenario pack, so Carnival of Horrors and the Curse of Rougarou, I don't know. Um, they're effectively side missions. Um, so to kind of go a little bit deeper, one of the great things about Arkham Horror the card game is that when you complete a scenario, you get experience points, just okay. like an RPG. Yeah. You can either spend those experience points on upgrading cards to high levels, or you can spend those experience points to do one of these side missions as part of your overall campaign. So effectively, just like Witcher in the, or any sort of RPG, you kind of you've done the main mission and now something else pops up and you go and do that. That's cool. So that's the reason I got them because I thought that they can be played standalone. So you can just like, oh, of an evening, let's do yeah. the Carnival of Horrors or the Curse of Rugeru or whatever it's called. Or they can shape part of your whole experience over this campaign. They just slot in between parts of your mission. So that for me was a prospect that I didn't want to kind of turn down. I just I was just really attracted to this thing of like having this wonderful like boxed RPG and feeling like I can take my characters on adventures and you know people can just like jump in and join me for stuff and then jump out. Um yeah. The 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 thing that really the thing that really grabbed me about it is it does feel like a uh <clears throat> a halfway house between like a pen and paper RPG with that yeah. level of with that level of role playing and that you don't have to take part in. You don't have to do the 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 I'm an investigator and I'm going to talk like this. Um No, because some of it is ridiculous and you of kind course. of have to just you know you just have to kind of go, go with it. it. But mm-hmm. I you know, it, there's a bit of that, but there's also a bit of the that car like I love two player card games. I just think they are really, really intense and games that get a lot of mileage out of just poker sized cards is really smart as well like everything in this is the same size card um like but those cards are not only the the story but the location and the mm. investigators and the you know and the weapons that you use everything like how everything just sits on the table just there's something really visually satisfying about all of that um and also it 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 it's a co-op game, which I love co-op games, but it doesn't have that quarterbacking stuff, really. No. Like, you can, like, absolutely you can do that if you really want to, but because you each have your own hand, because it, those are kept in front of you, and, and actually the rules say you should keep these these kind of hidden, um, it discourages the, the, the quarterbacking stuff. Um, the other thing I really love about it is it, it is building into that 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 magic the gathering esque i'm going to i've i've bought this core set and i'm going to have a really great time with it and if i want to go ahead and have more experiences i will totally go and purchase a pack like you say and go right we're going to play that over the weekend and have a lovely time with it but, but i think it, that, i think that's slightly different to magic the gathering though oh no i that's what i was going to say but what it doesn't have is just an unlimited bottomless pit where you can throw all of your money into it mm. like it's it's a I'm going to buy this set and I know exactly what I'm going to get and there's the game is completely balanced 
uh, for for you having made that one purchase. It isn't a it isn't a right. Well, unless I spend two hundred quid on magic cards, there's no way I'm going to keep up with my friend who's paid four hundred. Hmm. Like you know? for like for example, like one of the reasons I I I did invest in those expansion decks is that. And it's not really expansion deck. It, it is a scenario. It's it's like mm. buying Blood and Wine and Witcher or, or yeah, like Heart it's of DLC, Stone. isn't it? It's DLC. Is and there, and it's you know it's a size of a fifty-two pack of cards. It's for me to come and visit you, or you visit me. You yep. bring your character, or I bring my character, and I bring. Well, let's do this. You know, yeah. let's do this for a couple of hours. Let's yeah, just see how we we cope yeah. with, with what's going to happen. Mm. I think I think that's just like a, a wonderful. Um, prospect and and a kind of you know it does make me wish that like we all lived a bit closer and we all had lots more free time um but then but but then that's the thing like we've always talked about that of of that would be cool if we were playing because i would play magic all the time i would get like be really into it but the thing with this is that you're just making a record of who that character is so it could be another nine months until we play each other mm. again that character is still the same you can still flick through what your your hand is oh yeah i remember exactly how all of this yeah, plays yeah. you know and and it, it isn't time sensitive in that way um which again is something that i really really like about it um it's actually made me really want to it's made me want to First of all, so I, I I played the first um scenario uh with Alex. We lost uh pretty badly actually. Um again, it's one of those things I think we'll play it a couple of times with a couple of different investigators and find out how yeah, each of them I think plays. that's really worthwhile. But the the other thing of it is is it's made me think, wow, like this limited this limited uh format to to card games i think this is what i want this is what i want from these kinds of games and i've got you know a basically still sealed copy of netrunner um sat on my shelf where i'm like oh i, I really need to play that at some point and it's really inspired me to go okay i'm going to get i'm going to break that out at some point and and sit down with alex and we'll, we'll we'll figure out how the game actually plays and runs and and you know enjoy those two player um competitive and in the case of uh, Arkham Horror, the card game, cooperative uh, experiences. Chris, my partner and I were, well, my partner and I, we went to Liverpool to visit Chris for a day. Oh, nice. And Chris has a board game cafe in the lovely part of Liverpool that he lives. It's called Sugar and Dice. Sugar that, and Dice. Why is it that all the board game cafes have great puns for names? I know, it's great, isn't it? It's fantastic. And we um, went in there, and you would have loved it straight away because, um, and let me get the name of this game right, is because the, we went in there, we booked a table even though we did not need to because it was um, a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> right, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but we were in there, and you'd love this. Okay. Um, because sitting at the back of the table, and they were there for... About we were in there for about three or four hours, and they were probably in there since the morning playing Star Wars Rebellion. Yes. Um. So, I think that you would, um, yeah, you would have got great joy from seeing someone just just two people occupying this like three table long stretch at the back Beautiful. of the board game cafe. Um, and it was we had a really really good time in it, and it set up a bit like chance encounters. Yep. Um, as in. They had a section of very small, sort of quick, digestible games, and then the rest of the sort of bigger games were spread out. 
um, across the rest of the shelving space. And we played, um, I finally, we were able to play a game of Gloom, which is one of those games that I always see in board game shops and go, oh, that looks interesting, but, mm-hmm. you know, never made the, the, the purchase yeah, to play it. Yeah, I've, I've got a copy of that on my shelf. It's, it's all right. It's, re- it's really good. I really enjoyed yeah. it. My partner really, really enjoyed it. You know, as someone who loves murder and yeah, <laughs> that kind of that kind of life, yeah. when you're inflicting misery on other people, she took an enjoyment to that, which I'm not sure whether mm. I should be concerned yeah. or not. Keeping on that, yeah. uh, we played Unusual Suspects, which is kind of like a, a grown-up version of Guess Who, which is uh, okay, very interesting. Uh, Celeste, which Chris really loved, like it was really up his street because a it had a little cardboard model of a floating airship. Okay. Um, and it was very sort of Dixit style artwork. Nice. Um, it was lovely. Okay. okay. Um, but the game that I think we all enjoyed the most, and thing talking about things that you can just like have in your pocket, was we played a escape room card game. What? So it's from Asmodee, who okay. um, published uh, Mysterium and Chris's favourite game. And thank God he's not on because we'll be talking about Seven Wonders again and Seven uh. Wonders Jewel. And... Oh, I just love it. I love oh. all seven of the wonders. I wish there were eight. <laughs> the game's the eighth, surely. Oh. Um, um, but it was. It, it's just called Unlock. Okay. And the um, the game itself... Is comes in a very big box for what, for what essentially is just three decks of cards. Mm-hmm. And um, each deck is a different escape room, essentially. Okay. And um, you download an app. So we downloaded this app while we're in this board game uh, cafe, Sugar and Dice. Go there. Um, and so what you do is, is that basically you have this deck of cards... And each card has a number on the back. And you flip over the first one and it presents you with a room. And on that room is different numbers. So then you divide the pack of cards between however many you're playing. And then suddenly you've got a timer on the app of 60 minutes. And then suddenly you're rifling through this deck all urgently trying to find the numbers as dictated on the card in front of you so the dressing table is number 15 the door over there is number 20 oh there's something up hanging up in the corner that's number 57 so just like in a real escape room you're kind of rushing around at the start like oh i found this i found this i found that i found that i found this and then from that point on you're all kind of left to your own little puzzles of how things work together and and at its simplest the simplest way the mechanic works is that you have two objects, you add the numbers of the cards together, and then you try and find that number in the deck. So, for example, we uh, found a uh, UV light and we found a keyboard. We added the numbers of those two things together, gave us, so it was, say, say it was like 30 and 22. So we looked for card 52, found it. And it goes, yes, you've used UV light and uncovered the keypad and you can see what people have been pressing on it. So you discard your other cards and you kind of move the story on. And that's at its most basic how it works. But there's other things. So if you use, so the UV light, before we use it on the keypad, we were like, use it on the poster. And in the deck of cards, you find it goes, press the penalty button on the app. That's wasted you three minutes. 
of like shining it on a poster and there was there was nothing there that's awesome um so it really it was really really clever in recreating the experience of being in an escape room and kind of all dealing with your own little puzzles and all dealing with your own different scenarios and that and that moment of realization of hang on have we tried that with that Mm. and there's other puzzles where you've got to find the number before you combine it with another so clues will lead you to a certain way that you've got to um find a path within some electrical cables that allows some numbers together Okay. In, in order to get a generator on and all that kind of thing so it kind of recreates those more physical dexterity puzzles within it yeah and also it through the app it has a really good hint system so you're not kind of left on your own you you enter the number of the card in the app and it will give you like a little hint it'll give you a clue of how it may connect to another thing or how it might have um use within the room so we really really enjoyed it like it was excellent and Hmm. for for us it kind of summed up where board game cafes really shine the fact that we could go in there pay a cover charge get a cup of tea and have this incredible experience yeah that would have been a 30 pound box and one of three experiences that unlike arkham horror we could never play again. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the sort of reverse of that, we played Celeste and Gloom, and now Celeste and Gloom are on my Amazon wish list of board games that I kind of want to add in to my collection. And that to me is a it's a beauty of board game cafes and, and it's and it's unlike any sort of Thing that we have in the medium like i remember when i was a kid i was able to pay a pound to go in the back of my local video game shop and play a game for half an hour yeah i remember almost fainting playing banjo kazooie straight for half an hour while stood up in the back of a <laughs> back of a video game shop yeah, well yeah because well, it was so awesome yeah uh, yeah of course i mean yeah, I, I, I'm I'm complete, in complete agreement with you. And I think that, that board game cafes have this brilliant capacity to provide you the access to games where you wouldn't normally take a risk on them. Like, mm. I, you know, I want to go to back to Chance Encounters and, and, and that kind of thing. And I want to, you know, I want to pull down a copy of Scythe and go, right, okay, how how does this actually work? How How can how can this possibly be as amazing as I imagine it to be? Um, but also not spend 90 quid uh, mm. to find out that it's, a, you know, that it's garbage um, or whatever. Um, I'm sure it's fantastic. But um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and again, the, the only, the, I think the only games that that doesn't work for are games like Magic and Netrunner and, and maybe Arkham Horror and stuff like that. Because those games are much more personal. They're much more about a, here is my personal collection of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to sit here and, and actually figure this, this how to put a deck together in my own spare time, like with a net runner or something like that. I'm going to figure out what my deck strategy is actually going to be. Okay, that's all there. And now I'm going to take it to a, to, to, a, um, to my opponent and, and, and see how well that works. 
I don't think that that particularly works very well. Like uh, just having a big box of magic cards in a board game cafe, I think would be quite a. I wouldn't want to go through that. Like just go through five, six, seven hundred cards, figuring out, you know, oh, is there a, you know, is there some decent, uh, you know, where, where's, where's the next cancel? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sod yeah. that. That was staying in with Peter Willington and myself, Sam Turner. If you do feel like after all of this, you still want to vote for us, then skip back to the head of the podcast where Peter Willington will be standing by to tell you all about how to do it once again. If you want to follow us on Twitter, then you can do so at StayingInPod. And details of anything that we've covered in this podcast can be found at stayingin.podbean.com. Until next time, ta-ra.